And now, friends, it's time for us to pay a few bills. SongTrust is the world's largest technology solution for global music royalty collection and publishing administration, enabling 205,000-plus songwriters and more than 26,000 publishers to collect their publishing royalties worldwide for over 2 million copyrights. Be sure and visit songtrust.com forward slash pubcast to take advantage of a 20% off discount for a one-time registration just for listening to the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. And now, friends, let's get on with the show. Hey, family and friends. Welcome to the latest episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. On this episode, we chatted up with Anna Bond, Senior Director of Global Business Development at SongTrust. Anna preaches the importance of admin. Whether you're a local punk band or Drake, you need to worship and praise your administrator. Welcome back, listeners. Here we are again for another fantastic episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. And today we have Anna Bond, who's the Senior Director of Global Business Development with SongTrust. And we're going to dive into the world of administration and how important administration is. I cannot stress. I've said this frequently throughout some of the other episodes. I'm a creative and I love my admin people. They are my best friends because they do all the stuff I don't want to do, <laughs> but they collect my money. And that's the most important thing I find in, in my publishing world. And it's also an area that I always share that I find most of us uh, kind of neglect and don't take as good a care of as we need to. And that's bad, very bad business, especially if you get bought and sold. I've been bought and sold a few times. So I know how important it is to keep your admin really good, clean and effective. So uh, you can streamline your business. So Anna, being that I don't know you as well as some of my other guests that I've had, and you want to jump in and give us a brief uh, background, a little bio? Yeah, sure. So I've been with SongTrust for just over a year. And uh, before that, I was on the label side for about 15 years uh, in the independent side. Uh, Most recently uh, in labels, I was the U.S. uh, general manager for Rough Trade U.S., the the legendary independent. Um, I think recently celebrated their 40th anniversary. So they've been around for a while. Um, and so always working, you know, really closely with artists, um, on campaigns around album releases, tours, uh, and just kind of ensuring that everyone, you know, was, was maximizing their opportunities. Uh, and, you know, I, I went to the publishing side, you know, at SongTrust specifically for a number of reasons. Um, you know, one was I knew some folks uh, who were already at SongTrust, including Molly Newman, who's now the president of the company. And I knew that, you know, they're always involved in in interesting and forward thinking uh, ideas. And, you know, coming from the independent artist realm, you really see a lot of people who like you said, with admin, right? They want to get it sorted out because they know that it's something that needs to be done. They don't want to do it because it's like the doing taxes of the music world. And so a lot of artists would just kind of sign early in their careers, these not particularly advantageous pub deals, you know, for a small advance, they buy a van and then never really expect to, to see much on the back end, you know, if they're not, if they're not getting, a superstar covering their track or some sort of like big name collab. So I would see that and I would see, you know, most of their syncs still coming from their independent labels. Um, And, you know, they're giving up a tremendous amount of revenue and and aren't always comfortable with it. You know, you see a lot of artists who don't want to, don't want to divest themselves of these rights, but feel like it's the only way to get coverage. So, 
the reason that I was particularly interested in song trust is, you know, it really is an alternative for artists who are early career or who, you know, we have a lot of artists who've been through the ringer, who've had kind of major pub deals and, um, and want to kind of take control of everything or, or anyone in between. I have managers with clients who are huge, uh, you know, on the Spotify top 50 who are just like, I don't ever want to do a pub deal. I only want to do admins. So, you know, we're a resource for all those different kind of philosophical leanings. Awesome. Now, I love the way you put it. The, the, it's like doing the tax for, for artists because you are oh, yeah. so right. <laughs> and another thing I want to point out, you said it. We always call admin it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. That's why I call it it. <laughs> so let's let's start off with defining it. When we say that, if we're talking to somebody that, because uh, a lot of our audience are, are as you mentioned, uh, independent artists or mm-hmm. new up and coming or smaller publishing companies. So let's dive in and describe what it is. On a basic level, when you say admin, what are you referring to? Sure. So that is really just referring to collecting the performance royalties, mechanical royalties uh, that are due to songwriters. Um, Just when your song is, you know, played on the radio, when it is broadcast via satellite radio, uh, you know, when it is streamed, that earns a mechanical. When physical copies are made, those earn mechanicals. Um, And those are, you know, royalties specifically due to the songwriter um, and speci- especially in our streaming era, a lot of people aren't as clear about those as as historically they have been. But in terms of admin, it's really, you know, what we do is we have direct relationships with, you know, global performance royalty organizations and uh, mechanical organizations. And we are just out there registering uh, works and collecting all the performance and mechanical royalty that is earned by them. But it's a lot of, you know, the doing taxes analogy works because it's like, there is a lot of entering information. There could be spreadsheets involved. It's very much about kind of submitting information out into the world, receiving information, and then allocating that information and those royalties. So it's it's pretty, you know, uh, it's very pr- process oriented. <laughs> there's there's very little creative involved in admin. I mean, you can you can think of things and you know anything can be considered creatively, but uh, we can think creatively about admin. But in terms of the actual processes, it is pretty straightforward. First off, you, you did mention like I know there's like five income streams from from and we're just referring to copyrights right now. We can yeah. t- discuss master licensing and sound recordings, which again is a separate uh, set of issues. But you have mechanical ish, uh, licenses, we have performance licenses, sync licenses, and actually today, given the the way that it's going, lyric licensing, you know, you have to mm-hmm. get a license for that, which is actually increased again with the, absolutely a lot of the the um, the websites out there that are now offering it, and then um, I see it streaming on iTunes and all that, and mm-hmm. then the, and the last one being grand rights, which personally yeah. we don't do a whole lot with. Grand rights is plays and theatrical, just for those that may not know, but. Let's start with, you, you mentioned man, mechanical, we know. Um, again, I hate, I don't always like to get too basic, but I like people to mm-hmm. understand that mechanicals are cells, as you mentioned. And then performance, we know, is anything played live. Uh, we had an sure. episode on, on, on live performances uh, recently. And then we also have, um, you know, on live, it's a radio. Anytime you hear radio. Right. And as you mentioned, some of the confusion is now in streaming, a stream is split. We have part of yeah. its mechanical, part of its performance, because that's how we did it, 50-50. So, yeah, we just decided it's, <laughs> it's, it's both a reproduction and it is also public performance.
then of course sync which is anything that is connected to a video whether it's tv ads videos you know through youtube and again youtube's kind of its own thing as well sure it, is. it's super important to make sure you're collecting your money and there's a process involved in that too and yeah. um which i've again it's all changed in the last eight years for me. And it's, it's, admin was fairly clean and simple. You had a couple places you went to go collect your money, but now it's so well, yeah. broad, right? Well, and I think, uh, you know, historically, um, a lot of artists who are from an era, a pre-streaming era, who they kind of, you know, were the most popular then, especially in the independent sector, were used to either having a 50-50 deal, so there's no mechanicals paid with like their indie label, or, you know, they got the mechanicals paid directly from the label. And so the idea that there's this other source of mechanicals from streaming that don't flow through your label, that in fact, you know, only flow through the mechanical rights organizations um, is something that we're trying to really educate people on because there is a lot of confusion. And the fact that there is a performance um royalty earned with the stream is also something that eludes a lot of people. But, you know, when people uh or like, well, I'm, I'm registered with ASCAP, I'm registered with BNI, so I'm all set on publishing administration. You know, you're getting your performance royalties in the U.S. specifically, but in terms of mechanicals, it's a completely different ballgame. Perfect. I had in my head to ask the question now on mechanicals, where do you go? You mentioned organizations. What are your organizations you should be sure that you're, you are affiliated with to make sure you're getting your mechanical license? Well, in the U.S., it's primarily Harry Fox and Music Reports or MRI. Um, but, you know, Harry Fox is not really built for individuals. It's it's really built for publishers. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty long process to get signed up. It takes a while. It's a bit uh, arduous because, you know, that that organization, like so many of the, the societies around the world, that was built in an era when you were really working with publishers in order to get your mechanical royalties because mechanicals were coming from record labels and you know the amount of artists who were releasing on record labels was much smaller than the amount of artists who are able to release you know directly to streaming services today so it was just you know structured very differently and really not built for you know individual creators to sign up with them in order to collect their mechanicals right and it I still basically, for anybody out there that I always refer, like is a pretty mid-sized publishing company that we are, mm -hmm. we're still independent. Like if you're an independent artist licensing music, Harry Fox is still kind of the go-to to, yeah. that's a, if you are the user, like if you record something, you oh, need to make absolutely. sure it's licensed. Most of it's on Harry Fox, pretty painless uh, procedure there on, on mm -hmm. an indie level. And you did mention- Yeah, their get, song file is, is pretty searchable. Yeah. And that makes it super easy. But- um Again, on the on the collecting side, if you're indie and, and you're putting your own music out, now you mentioned uh, music reports. Uh, are, do they operate similarly to Harry Fox? They they do and they don't. I mean, MRI is is a company that you do need to register with, but they have their their procedure is a little bit different um, in terms of how they distribute, how they allocate, and how they license. But but they're very comparable in terms of, um, you know, the fact that they're both, you know, mechanical collections organizations and, you know, they're collecting from 
you know, your Amazons, your Spotify's, your Apple Music, and, you know, a lot of other sources as well. But those are, you know, obviously the DSPs are the the biggest earners in terms of mechanical royalties. Now, if I'm a, an independent, do I have to be registered with both or is it like a ASCAP BMI scenario where you pick one? So with MRI and HFA, it's different because MRI licenses some sources and HFA licenses other sources. So in order to, I think MRI licenses uh, some of the Amazon services. So if you want to be collecting your Amazon money, you've got to be, you know, in touch with MRI. And if you want to be collecting, say, your Spotify money, you've got to be in touch with HFA. So going back to YouTube, what mm-hmm. are some of the best ways to go about doing that on a on an indie level? Well, the the main the most important thing is is that YouTube registers uh, and tracks performances uh, using ISRCs. So until you have an ISRC and until you have a master, you know, meaning a master recording associated with the YouTube video, which is something that you have to do directly, um, it's not going to be tracking. You know, there is Content ID. There are other tools out there that enable people to uh, match you know, using using song data you to match the songs with YouTube videos. But really the the most important aspect of of YouTube monetization is to ensure that you have a master recording associated with it because that is the ISRC is what YouTube uses to collect. Um, you know, it's also what is being used when it comes to streams, but it's it's not necessarily being used by performing rights societies. So that's a difference. Um, and with YouTube, you know, not every video is monetizable. There are, uh, you know, requirements uh, for, you know, number of hours for the channel, uh, number of subscribers for the channel, uh, or number of views for an individual video before it can become monetized when the ads are added against it. And that is something that you have to do actively. Um, and generally, master owners are taking care of that. Um, in terms of collecting, you know, on the master side, often you'll you'll set that up through a distributor, um, through a label, or uh, there are a lot of third parties that handle YouTube master monetization. Um, and on the publishing side as well, um, it's something that SongTrust does. It's something that you know there are there are plenty of uh, third party organizations out there that handle YouTube monetization on the composition side or or some places will do master and composition kind of depending on what's available and what you're looking for. And they all have a different kind of set of services. You know, they might be optimizing your search results or they might be doing a lot of scouring of user generated content using various tools and algorithms to find additional uh, you know, videos that might be using your songs, but but it is really important to make sure that you're collecting on YouTube because you know the it's it's the smallest of the micro pennies per stream. But you know, YouTube is uh, I believe still the biggest platform for music consumption in the world, so it is important to make sure that you're monetizing there, whether you're doing so directly with YouTube, uh, which has its limitations, or via a third party. Without a doubt. I think the last I heard, YouTube on as a streaming platform streams more than all the other streaming services combined still. So that, that is a massive amount. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to back up a hair because I hear that word a lot and I do know what it is, but I'm going to have you, you said ISRC. Well, explain to me what an ISRC is if I have no idea what that is. So that stands for International Standard Recording Code. And it is a code that is unique that is associated with every recording of a song. So that's for a unique recording. Every master has an ISRC. So that means if, 
you know, I am a composer and three people cover my song and release three different master versions of them, those will have three different ISRCs. If I'm a band and I do a live album, the live version of my song will have a different ISRC than the uh, studio album version of my song. And it's, it's, so it's recording is really the operative uh, letter, the R. It is uh, an identifier that, uh, that identifies unique recordings. There is an analog to the ISRC in the composition land, which is the international standard works code. Uh, and that W means that that identifies unique compositions. So there can be multiple ISRCs associated with one ISWC. And, you know, the publishing world perhaps has the most acronyms of any <laughs> of the world. But ISRCs are what YouTube uses to monetize as well as uh, any monetization for like streaming mechanicals. And ISWCs are used for folks who are monetizing uh, specifically on the composition side. So there's a great reason to have an administrator. I know when I started up, I had a company for eight years parallel. I did a lot mm -hmm. of the administration at first because I had zero riders. I started from ground zero. But even as soon as I really got running, I immediately hired somebody to start helping me on the administrative side. Because again, I cannot yes. stress how important it is to get that clean and set up in the beginning on a publishing side even for me that's song turn-ins lyrics docs which are data creations for those that may not know and getting that from my writers to making sure everything's registered and all that so let's talk about the importance of an administrator if we if, if we haven't made that clear enough already because there's a lot that needs to be done let's mm -hmm. talk about the role of an administrator just basically what all does an administrator do so the very basics um, of what an administrator does is they register your works with uh, partners around the world. And that includes people who are collecting on performance royalties and people who are collecting mechanical royalties. And they check those registrations, make sure they are, you know, activated, make sure that you are collecting. Um, you know, if you know, okay, I had a radio song, you know, a year ago in France, where's that money? They're the ones who are going after it, you know, talking to the French society, talking to all of the sources and ensuring that, you know, the royalty statements add up to what was really happening. If you know, okay, well, this song had a hundred million streams and I'm not seeing the mechanical royalties that I would expect for a hundred million streams, it's going back and, uh, you know, contacting the DSP, co contacting the mechanical royalty organization and saying, is there an issue with the registration? Is there an issue, you know, with the collection? What's going on? Is there a counterclaim? You know, if if you write a song with a friend, you split it 50-50, but that friend who's a bad friend goes <laughs> and registers the song at 100% belonging to them, you're then, as the second person registering it, you then have to show proof of the agreement in order to override that initial registration. So that is a complexity. Counterclaims happen all the time and it's incumbent on your administrator to resolve all these things. But of course, like you mentioned, they can only do what they can do if you give them good information. What is a typical cost uh, range for administrators? You know, that is going to vary pretty widely. And, and because some administrators, uh, 
administrators take different pieces of income. Like some administrators, even though they're not the creative part of the publishing world, will take a, a percentage of passive sync because, and passive means they didn't go out and pitch it for you. They just maybe did the paperwork after someone else had kind of procured it for you. That's the, that's the sync industry word. So, you know, you'll have some administrators will say, okay, here's our percentage for, you know, incoming sync income. Here's our percentage for mechanicals. Here's our percentage for, for performance. Here's our percentage for X US. Here's our percentage for inside of the US. And, and that'll vary a lot. And that's going to completely depend on, you know, the profile of the artist. Um, if they think that there's, there's money in the pipeline, uh, meaning maybe there are some back collections out there, because if you're an artist and you've never collected your mechanical royalties, like you're not direct with Harry Fox, you've never had an administrator before, you have a couple, three years uh, of back mechanical streaming royalties that haven't yet been collected. So that's something that, that will come into consideration. Um, so there's a big range. Um, with SongTrust, because we are built to be uh, a direct-to-client platform, we have a pretty simple proposition, which is, you know, our global network of, of over 50 sources. Um, it's a 15% admin uh, commission and then a one-time $100 registration fee. And we the reason we do the one-time registration fee is because there's no barrier to entry. Um, we're not like a traditional administrator or publisher where you have to kind of meet someone and, and go through an A&R process. Um, you know, Songtrust is available for everyone, but we do need to kind of cover our costs with with the one-time registration fee. Absolutely. And so you've, you've touched on a little bit, but I want to give you this opportunity because in full disclosure, uh, Song Trust is our sponsor for our season uh, three of the Nashville AIMP pubcast. So um, what do you see as some of the big, you've touched on a couple of differentiators on what you guys do and traditional uh, administrators, because I know you're set up more for the new technologies in the new world that we're kind of dealing in as, we, as we've kind of explained. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's one of the biggest differentiators is we're we're truly a technology company. I mean, we're a music company because all of our technology is in support of artists. But we, you know, identified uh, when SongTrust started that you know the publishing world um, is publishing is a very old industry, right? And you know, a lot of the the organizations who are kind of the backbone of of the collections um, are pretty old, and they've They've had to keep up with with some incredible changes in technology. Um, you know, satellite radio is one of them, but obviously streaming is the biggest one. Streaming radio, like all these new types of performances, all these new types of mechanicals to to track, to collect for, to register works for. Obviously, the amount of works being you know uploaded to Spotify and to all of the other DSPs on a daily basis is in is what 40,000 I think was the last I heard. So that's a lot uh, a lot higher volume than say in the 1950s when you had to go, you know, press a 45 record. Um so the sea change in in what these collection organizations have dealt with is is pretty indescribable and you know SongTrust really wanted to start as a company based on uh, the the idea that like you know this is a scalable business if you're using technology correctly, and and you're making sure to be a good partner to the societies by by providing data excellence, but also you know just making sure that people out there like we work with so many artists you know maybe they're a producer they have ten percent of like three big songs, and 
it's not the type of thing that, you know, once you become a producer, you go into the studio, someone's like, okay, let me explain publishing to you. Nobody does that. Um, you have to really discover it on your own. And a lot of people uh, don't. That's one of the reasons that SongTrust is specifically interested in educating people. Because again, this this information, like you mentioned at the beginning, is it seems shrouded in mystery. It seems so hard to understand. People just want to, you know, put their head in their hands, and um, it's something that that we really want to educate people on. We have a ton of educational resources, you know, on our website. We do webinars that are focused on creators. I work with a lot of businesses on their publishing administration needs, and it's the same thing. There's really a lot of education to do, and it's a huge part of our mission because you know we all want musicians to have sustainable careers. And even if even if your publishing royalties aren't huge, they're still yours, and it will still make a difference. You know, getting that additional revenue and knowing that your rights are taken care of, and that's that's really the that's really the song trust mission, I would say. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville.